Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? All right. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you at this time to go ahead and take it out, open it up, head over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26, verse 22 is where we're going to be today. Welcome to Baptism Sunday, y'all. Yeah. Uh, We baptized 12 people in the first service, and it was pretty awesome. And uh, I don't know how many folks will baptize in this service, but I want you to know that if you showed up today not planning to be baptized, but the Lord speaks to you today and convinces you through his word that you need to be baptized, then we will be ready for you at the end of the service today. So uh, as you're headed over to Acts 26, I wanna just give a brief introduction to the Bible for those in the room who may be new to the Bible. The Bible's divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament gives us a record of God's chosen people, Israel, tells us about their need for a rescuer, redeemer. They use the word Messiah. Uh, In the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, we find out that the Messiah is Jesus, uh, that he is not just a prophet or a teacher, but that he is God's own son, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, lives a sinless human life, dies a sacrificial death on a cross, and three days later is raised from the dead to demonstrate that resurrection is a promise and a reality. His disciples were so overwhelmed by the fact that he was raised from the dead, they went to the ends of civilization telling people that Jesus is the path to salvation, that if you believe in him, you can have forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life with Christ into eternity. We preach the same message today. We call it the gospel, which means good news. And today we'll be speaking about that. So what I wanna do right now is I wanna pray over us and then we'll read the scripture together and we'll see what the Lord would have for us here today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. God, we pray that you would give us clarity today as we hear from you. God, as we receive your word, uh, Lord, that your word would speak to us. Uh, God, I wanna ask that you would move through the words on this page so that somehow people would have their hearts stirred I don't know how it works exactly, God, but somehow you take um, my imperfections and somehow you take the words of this preacher and the words of this book and the word of Jesus comes alive. So God, that's our prayer today, that people would hear from you, that they would respond to you, and that they would know you. Lord, we love you and we pray. Let us hear from you today. God, we pray if anyone here today has yet to come to faith in Jesus, that today would be their day. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 22. Starting in verse 22, here we go. To this very day, I have had help from God, and I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah would suffer and that, As the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters and I can speak boldly to him. For I am convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. 
Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know that I know anyone who liked a good deal as much as my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law went to be with the Lord back in 2017, but let me tell you what, she loved bargain shopping. Where are my bargain shoppers out? Out there, yeah. All right, bargain shoppers. Yeah, so in my family, the way that we bought Christmas presents was that, you know, you would go find the nicest thing you could find and you would, you know, cut the tag off and give it. And people were like, wow, I can't believe you you got this for me. My mother-in-law and her family, the goal was to spend as little as possible and be proud of it, okay? And to tell you. So let me explain how this worked. Um, My mother-in-law found this cashmere sweater one day at whatever department store. It was like this kind of rust color and she was convinced that I would look great in it but most people wouldn't and she wanted to get it for me. Now I don't remember what the original price is but it was something nuts like 180 bucks or 200 bucks. And she was like, I bet that that is gonna go on sale. So she took it and like um, any self-respecting bargain shopper, she hid it. All right, so... (laughs) Uh, she hit it, and then she came back a couple of weeks later, it was marked down. She's like, I think it's gonna go lower than that. Then she came back a couple of weeks later, it was marked down again. She came back a couple of weeks later, marked down again. Christmas Day, I open this up, and I get this beautiful cashmere sweater. The tag is on it, and she's pointing at it. $13.99, baby, right there. You know, she was fired up, right? Because she got a good deal. Now, you know this, you get a good deal, you like to tell people, you got a good deal. And that's the way that things operated in my mother-in-law's family. When you got a good deal, you told everybody about it. Now, what's funny is, is in this particular passage, Paul is on trial. I mean, he is before his third government official. Now he's before King Agrippa and Festus at the same time. And yet he can't stop talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is this thing, in the same way that my mother-in-law gets fired up about finding this item on sale and getting it, I mean, he's like, look, this changed my life. And even though they have the power to execute him, he won't stop talking about Jesus because Jesus is that glorious and that magnificent. Today, I want us to understand what was it that Paul believed was too good to stop talking about. And I want us to understand it because today we have two tanks here at the front of the auditorium, and if the Lord chooses today to change your life, to bring you to faith in him, then today you can follow him in baptism. And I think that you'll understand why it's beautiful here in just a moment. So I want us to start with the place that Paul starts, which is the gospel. Look at verse 22. Paul says, to this very day I've had help from God. And I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place. What's he saying? He's saying the entire scripture, the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible that I spoke about has been predicting this, has been pointing to this always. And you remember he says, King Agrippa, I know that you know the prophets. He's saying, you've read about this and it's finally been fulfilled. So you have been praying for this, hoping for this your entire life. For generations, people have been waiting on this. It's now been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So why did they miss it? Well, this is what Paul says in verse 23. The first part of that truth is that the Messiah must suffer. Now, I wanna talk about why the Messiah must suffer. The Messiah must suffer because 
he becomes the sacrifice for our sin. So Jesus is crucified. We, if we are stained with sin, cannot come into the presence of God. Now, some people have said, God can't be in the presence of sin. That, that's not true. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. If sin comes into the presence of God, God's holiness is so powerful, his righteousness so radiant that it will immediately disintegrate sin. So if we're stained with sin and we walk into the presence of God, we'll be destroyed. You see? But God wants to have relationship with us, so he makes a way. How does he do that? He makes Jesus come as a sacrifice for sin. So God becomes flesh in the person of Jesus. Jesus lives a sinless human life so that he is now the perfect sacrifice for sin. We could never be the perfect sacrifice for sin because we're stained with sin. But the scripture says, and this is what's crazy, is that Jesus somehow took all of, all of humanity's sin and put it onto his body. It's like a cosmic miracle. And whenever Jesus dies, all of sin is punished. So, in that moment, Jesus becomes the sacrifice. The, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. So Jesus becomes the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, on our behalf, to pay the price for our sin. By dying, I don't have to die any longer because my sin is placed onto the body of Jesus. It's punished there. And suddenly, I'm let off the hook. You're let off the hook. If we place our faith in Christ, we are released from the sentence of death. Incredible, incredible. But then he goes on. He says, not just that the Messiah must suffer, but then look at the next thing. And that as the first to rise from the dead. The first to rise from the dead. So Jesus not only dies for our sin. That's good. That's beautiful. But then he's raised from the dead to show you that death is not the end. Death is not the end. So Jesus is raised from the dead first. And um, Sarah and I were talking after the first service and she brought out this really cool point that the scripture says that Jesus is the firstborn of creation, the first fruits of the resurrection coming up out uh, of the ground. In the same way that there was that moment where all of the Egyptians lost their firstborn, now that's redeemed right through Jesus being raised, the first one. It's a beautiful picture. Now listen to me on this. Jesus is raised from the dead to show you that we'll all be raised from the dead. This is, now listen, everyone will be raised from the dead, whether you believe in Christ or not. The scripture says the dead in Christ will rise first, but we'll all be raised from the dead. But then Paul, you remember last week, he's teaching there will then be a judgment day. So you'll be resurrected from the dead, and then every person who has ever lived will stand before a holy God to be judged, and he will compare you to the holiness of Jesus. How are you feeling about your judgment right now? Right? And the Bible says that books will be opened, this is the book of Revelation, and we will be judged according to what we have done. Now, probably on the human scale, you guys are like, well, I mean, Steve, you're a pastor, you're probably doing pretty good. But compared to Jesus, I'm in trouble. I mean, I may be pretty good, but pretty good doesn't cut it, right? Because remember, the standard is Jesus, sinless. If I have any sin on me, if I step into the presence of God, I'll be disintegrated. But the Bible then also says in the book of Revelation, anyone's name who was found in another book, there's another book, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Anyone whose name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life, they are then brought into eternity with Christ. 
You see, the resurrection is frightening unless your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and then it's this promise that you're brought into eternity with Christ. So the Messiah must suffer to pay the penalty for sin and then he's raised from the dead to give the promise of eternity. Some of us in this room are ashamed of our past. Right? We've, we've done things. What I want you to hear is that your shame, along with your sin, was crucified in the body of Jesus. Jesus was probably crucified completely naked, scourged naked, died naked publicly in front of everyone. Why? He went, underwent shame so that you would never have to go through shame again. So the cross and the empty tomb are the promise of forgiveness, release from sin, release from shame, and the invitation into eternal life. Now, he then says we would proclaim light to our people, referring to the Jewish people and the Gentiles. So what does that mean? The gospel is the message that God doesn't just want one group of people. He wants everybody. You remember John's vision of the heavenly throne room in Revelation chapter four? He sees every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Now, this is important. When we're resurrected and our bodies are glorified, you know what doesn't go away? Our ethnicity. Like, it's not like we get some magical translucent state and we all look the same whenever we get to heaven. No, because John sees every nation, every tribe, every tongue. He sees everybody. He hears every language. And somehow we will all be worshiping and praising together because the banner is of Jesus. That's the banner, Jesus. And what I want you to hear today is that God's desire for our city is that the banner of Jesus would spread over it. And so he uses that word light, that the light would come not just to his people, but to the Gentiles. And that's what our job is as a church, is to carry the light of Jesus into the city. I know that you already know this. Our city is dark in a lot of places. And one of the things that we're starting today is we're gonna invite every person in our church to carry the light of Christ as we pray, care, and share in our city. I've been talking about this. I wanna challenge every person here to pray with their neighbors. Not, not just pray for, but pray with. And what I mean by that is in the moment, you put a hand on their shoulder, what say, hey, can I pray with you? or to care for your neighbors. They need a ride, they need help, they maybe need you to be generous to them or, or you serve them in some way, whatever that is, or to share Jesus, just to tell them about what God has done in your life. Now listen to me. Today, if you're hearing this, you're thinking, well, why are we doing this? Just to make our church sound great? No, no, we're doing this because I think that sometimes we get overwhelmed and we feel like the city is too dark. Are we making a difference? So we're gonna create, we actually already have created, we've created a visual that's gonna help us see how we're making a difference. So we've got a really cool, out in the commons, we've got this screen, and it's got um, a skyline of Houston on it. It's got a thousand windows. And every time we do 10 of what I just described, praying with, caring for, or sharing Jesus, anytime we do 10 of those, we're gonna light up one of those windows. So this is what I need from you. I want every person who's watching or is in the church today to go to this website, hnw.org slash share, and anytime you do one of those things, I just want you to tell us about it. Now, this isn't so that we can say, look how great we are, it's so that every time you walk in, you'll see, oh look, another window was lit up. Oh look, we, we lit up three more windows this week. We're gonna do that because we're gonna see, hopefully, 
that our church is making a massive difference in the city and that the city is lighting up with the light of Jesus, just as Paul describes here. And so that every time that we do these things, we see that the light is coming, and what does it do? It brings together Jew and Gentile. It also brings together, together every nation, tribe, and tongue to come and to know who God is. Does that make sense? Yeah, so what I wanna challenge you to do is to join us in this, doing the same thing that Paul is doing, because the truth is, is that according to the scripture, there'll be this judgment, and apart from Christ, all of us receive darkness and death. But in Christ, those of us who believe in Christ, we find light in life. And my desire is for every person here in this room to, to come to this place where, where you receive and know the light in the life of Jesus. Now, second thing, after this gospel message, then Festus, it says here in verse 24, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. So the gospel seems insane. That's, that's the truth. The gospel seems insane. Some of us, you know, have you ever spent like too much time on YouTube and by the time you're done, you feel like, you know, you're half a step away from becoming the Unabomber, you know, or whatever, like you've got... You've watched all these conspiracy theory videos or whatever, and you've got your buddy, you know, maybe like they've got that murder board, you know, that murder board meme that I'm talking about. And like the guy's got the crazy eyes, you know, like you're looking at them and you know, that, that kind of a thing. Like if you just knew the truth, man, you know, that kind of a deal. Okay. Here's the thing. I think that sometimes people think about Christians like that. You know, they think, oh, well, you're just kind of, you know, into that's your thing. Here's what I want you to understand. The gospel is the truth. And we know that it's the truth, not because too much study has made us mad, but because we have experienced something that has borne out to be true in our lives. Uh, there was this man by the name of Charles Drew. He was an African-American scientist, and he discovered that blood types um, go across ethnic lines. And what he began to actually argue for was that blood transfusions did not need to be limited inside of ethnicities. And so he said, you know, if we have the blood of someone from this ethnicity, then it can be used in a transfusion for a person in this ethnicity. Now, today in 2023, we're like, well, that makes perfect common sense. But at the time, that wasn't known. And in fact, people thought that he was crazy. And they were like, you've just studied this so long, you've lost your mind. He ended up having to bring proof and he brings it before them. And then once they tried it, they experienced it. They realized he was right, that the blood was universal. The thing is, is that for a lot of people, they are convinced that the blood is not universal for Jesus Christ, right? They think that, you know, your religion, your faith is just about the way that you're raised. But what I want you to hear today is that it's not crazy to believe in Jesus because Jesus's goal was from the very beginning, the salvation, the redemption of all people. Like if you're here today and you think, I don't know if I'm good enough or that, or you think, I don't know that God would welcome me to be a Christian because I was raised in a culture that is not a Christian culture. What I want you to hear is that the, the beautiful thing about the message of Jesus is that the blood is universal. It's for everyone. And so it may seem insane, but when you look at Paul, Paul's like, hey, look at my life. I've been completely transformed. I used to kill Christians, and now I am one. The thing is, is when you look at the believer's the earliest believers, they went to the ends of the earth because they were convinced that they saw Jesus resurrected. I can't come up with a logical explanation 
for people being willing to die for the gospel except that they saw Jesus raised from the dead. And so I think that it isn't insane. In fact, it is the most sane thing to believe that I am broken, left to my own devices, but that I need a rescuer and that the rescuer's name is Jesus. And that God has pursued me because God loves me. God did not create you to be left and abandoned. God created you to be brought into love, to be made whole. To understand the, the, the pain and the trauma in your past doesn't get to define you, but his love is the thing that gets to define you. This is what God has done and wants to do in you. And when you say yes to him, he begins to awaken something inside of you that makes you whole. And that's what Paul's saying. Look at me, I'm not who I once was. And I could look across this room and I could point to person after person and say, these people are not who they once were. And if you are hungry for that, to be changed, to be transformed, to work from love instead of from fear, to work from wholeness instead of from brokenness, if you're hungry for that today, the good news is, is you can turn to Jesus in faith and be saved and be made whole today. Yeah. So today... It may seem insane, but I believe that it's, that it's true. And then the last thing I want you to hear in this passage is that this gospel message is our gift to the world. It's my gift to you today. It's maybe your gift to someone else tomorrow. It's definitely God's gift to the church, to the world. In verse 28, my translation, the CSB that I'm reading from today, the King Agrippa says, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? Um, I was raised reading the King James Version of the Bible. Maybe you were as well. And I went back and I looked at verse 28. This is what verse 28 says. I always love, I always love this. In verse 28, it says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Like you, you almost convinced me, Paul. I almost believe you. And then listen to what Paul says. Paul says, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. What is, what is Paul saying? Paul says, you're the king, King Agrippa, and I'm in chains, but I'm telling you right now, I have it better than you. I want you to think about that. What would it take for someone who is a prisoner standing before the king to say, I have it better than you? And why does he have it better than him? He says, I have the promise of forgiveness. I have the promise of eternity. And I can, I can hear from God. You can't. I have it better than you. What kind of boldness, what kind of beauty is that? You see, Agrippa says, Paul, you almost convinced me, but not quite. What I have come to realize and come to believe is that there's a lot of almost in this room right now. A lot of almost. I mean, people who are like, I, I, I want to be a Christian. You've almost convinced me. Years ago, um, we were at Joy's brother's house. His name's Eric, and he has a pool table. So the boys and Eric and I were outside playing pool uh, in their kind of shed there at the house. And one of the boys, I don't remember which one, made a shot. And he said, well, I barely made that shot. And the other one said, uh, well, barely is better than almost. And we were kind of like, ooh, that's profound, you know? <laughs> from the mouths of babes, right? And we, we actually kind of stopped and we, we thought about it for a second. And we said, yeah, barely is better than almost. It's barely to have made the shot than almost to have made the shot, right? It's, it's barely 
It's better that your wife barely said yes to marry you than the, she almost said yes to marry you, right? I mean, <laughs> barely is better than almost. Uh, we were like, yeah, that's good. I think that there are a lot of people in this room, I think in the West in general, who have almost been convinced and they think that almost is okay. But what I want you to hear is I would rather you barely come to faith in Christ than to almost come to faith in Christ. I would rather you barely decide to be baptized than to almost decide to be baptized. There's a lot of almost in this room. Some of us, we think, well, I'm almost ready. But I mean, Steve, if you knew the things that I had done, you would not want me. And this is what I want you to hear. Jesus is known as the friend of sinners. Tax collectors, prostitutes, scoundrels, thieves, murderers. The Bible is filled with Jesus chasing down people that we consider to be the worst of the worst. You are not too bad for Jesus. If you think that you're too bad for Jesus, what you're saying is, is that you think that your sin is bigger than the blood of Christ. What I want you to hear is the Bible is clear because this is what the scripture says. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that you could have done. And you know what nothing means? Nothing. It means nothing. There's nothing you could have done. Yeah, it's good. Some of us are in this room and we're like, well, I'm almost ready to become a Christian, but in, in my background, like if I do this, there's gonna be pushback with my family. Yeah, I believe that. This is why the church has been historically known as the family of God. Because people have had to leave their earthly family, but then they found a new family in the church. Some people have said, you know, I'm almost ready, but I'm just ashamed. You know, I, I, I'm ashamed of who I have been. And if you knew what I'd done, I wouldn't be received. Every person in this room has a past. Every person in this room has a past. Your almost will be turned into beauty if you'll say yes today. Don't let your almost keep you from Jesus. Don't, don't believe that you're not good enough. None of us are good enough, but Jesus is good enough. What I want you to hear today is you barely crossing the line of faith is eternally better than you almost crossing the line of faith. You may picture yourself on your hands and your knees and you are crawling toward it in weakness because you think, I don't have the ability, I'm so weak, I'm so sinful, I'm stuck in my ways, I can't be a new person. What I want you to hear is the difference between almost crossing the line of faith and barely getting across the line of faith is eternity with Christ. It is redemption, it is adoption, it is wholeness. God loves you fully and completely and his yearn, his heart's desire is for you to step across the line of faith, to crawl across the line of faith, to fall across the line of faith, to stumble forward into his arms and be known as his child. Today, that is what he wants. The scripture tells us that in our weakness, he is made strong. You may feel too weak to be a Christian, and I tell you, I feel that way all the time. All the time. But he is a good, good Savior. He's a good God, and he's waiting on you to step forward today. Now, how do we respond to him? 
But we respond first in faith. The Bible says that you're, you're saved by grace through faith. And what that means is, is right now, some of us in this room, as you've heard this message, God is stirring in your heart. And you feel it. You sense it. And you want to say yes. And all you have to do right now is just believe. That's it. Just believe. So I do believe that Jesus is God's son. I do believe that he died for my sin. I, I do believe that he was raised from the dead for me. So you believe that. And then the next thing is baptism. And today we have several who've signed up to be baptized and some will be baptized indoors and some will be baptized outside. But what I want you to hear is that today you can be baptized and that baptism is a beautiful, beautiful thing because in baptism, God will take your barely and he'll give you his best. It'll be something that's glorious. So I wanna just talk a little bit about baptism because sometimes there's some confusion on this. First of all, baptism does not save you, okay? Being baptized does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is trusting in Jesus. So sometimes I'll talk about my wedding ring, right? Wearing my wedding ring does not make me married. But when I put it on, it tells everyone that I am married. Your baptism does not save you, but your baptism tells everyone that you are saved, that you're following Christ. Second, if you look in the Bible, every person who comes to faith is baptized immediately. Some of us in this room, we've been putting off our baptism, some of us for years. And I would tell you today, please come and do that. Today's the day. If you go back and you look in Acts 2, people were, uh, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized. Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, baptized immediately. Acts chapter 9, Paul, baptized immediately. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, baptized immediately. Acts chapter 16, Philippian jailer, baptized immediately. Acts chapter 18, Crispus, the synagogue ruler, baptized immediately. Sometimes I'll talk to people and they will say, well, you know, I need to get my life cleaned up first before I can get baptized. I have great news for you today. You cannot get that clean, right? Jesus makes you clean. You can't do anything. If you place your faith in Jesus, you are already clean enough. Just come and be baptized. Third thing, baptism in the Bible is always done by immersion. So that's why we, we have a, the, the full dunking under the water. It is a symbol. Buried with Christ in baptism, my old life is dead, raised to walk in newness of life. Some of us in this room, um, you're like me. You were baptized as a baby. Um, you may not know that about me. I was baptized into the Catholic Church whenever I was an infant, eight days old or something like that. And here's what I want you to, to hear, is that I'm in no way disparaging anyone's faith tradition, their past, where they've been, that kind of a thing. But what the Bible teaches is, is that baptism is done by immersion. The word for baptized, baptizo in Greek, literally means immersion. It means to go underwater, like we're not making this up. So when we baptize, we're doing it in the way that the Bible teaches baptism is done. And so for me, I was baptized as a baby, but many years later, I heard the gospel and I believed and I said, I wanna be baptized in the way that the Bible describes after my conversion. And if that's you, then today you can be baptized by immersion. We would receive you, be baptized into the kingdom of God, say, I wanna be baptized in the way that the Bible teaches. Fourth, the Bible says it's always after conversion. Always. Like, People in the scriptures never got baptized prior to conversion. So we're saying that you would be baptized in the biblical manner. That, that's all that it is. Fifth, Jesus was baptized like this by immersion. And he went and he told everyone to get baptized. He said, go into the world and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus commanded us to do this. And if you wanna follow Jesus faithfully, 
this is the symbol that's given to us today. So we have several people signed up to be baptized today. I'm not sure how many, uh, several. But I want you to know that if in the last however many minutes that I've been talking, you've heard the gospel, you've said, I believe that, and I haven't been baptized, but I would like to be baptized, then here in just a minute, I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna count to three, and every person in this room who's already signed up, who's here, they're gonna stand up, and they're gonna walk over here, and, and they're gonna get ready, and you can just stand up and come with them. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, but I can't do that because I didn't bring any clothes. I have great news for you today. We have, we have clothes. We have every size imaginable. Um, we have, yeah. We've got, uh, we've got shirts, we've got shorts, we've got undergarments, we've got for bodybuilders, we've got it for babies, you know, whatever it takes, right? We, we've got every size. Next, you're like, but I didn't bring a towel. Hey guys, I have great news. We have towels, all right? And, and in fact, we have a lot of towels. Yeah, so it's gonna be good. Some of you are like, I can't get baptized today because my family isn't here. I have great news for you. Uh, we are right now streaming this service online. All you have to do, take out your phone, text your family, I'm getting baptized, go to hnw.org, boom, they can watch it right now. Some of us, oh, also, we have professional photographers here. They'll be taking your picture. Your family will get a better view of this than if they were here anyway, right? Once you give them those pictures. Next. Some of you are like, man, I just don't know how I feel about getting baptized in front of all these people. There's a lot of people in this room. I have great news. We have a baptistry outside, and all you have to do is just say, come, come forward and say, I wanna get baptized today, but I don't wanna do it inside, I wanna go outside. So great, you can just get baptized outdoors. A lot smaller crowd out there. Then you think, well, I, you know, I brought my nicest watch today, and I'm afraid somebody will steal it, you know, if I, while I'm getting baptized. Now, we are at church, hopefully that's not a problem, but you're worried about it. I just want you to know, Great news, we have a security team that'll watch your stuff, and they're all Texans, so you know that nobody's gonna mess with your stuff, right? Okay, good. Next, some of us are like, you know, I came with people. Are they gonna be mad? Uh, if they are, get rid of your friends, all right? <laughs> we will be your new friends, all right? No, they are not gonna be upset. They're gonna be pumped and excited for you, and they're gonna take pictures. They're gonna be fired up. So I just want you to know what I'm about to do is I'm gonna pray, okay? And as I pray, I just want you to just be still and listen to the Lord. And if God has brought you to faith, I just wanna encourage you, come forward and be baptized today. That, that's the way it worked in the scripture and that's what we're gonna do today. And if you haven't been baptized, that today can be your day, the day that salvation comes to your house. So let me just pray for us. Father, uh, right now, we're just praying and asking, God, that you would stir in hearts and you would just show everyone what they need to do. Um, God, if you're, if you're speaking to them right now, that they need to come to faith, Lord, that today they would say, okay, I'll do it. God, that's the hardest part, is just being obedient to whatever it is, Lord, that, that you teach us. And so, God, I pray that they would hear that, they would receive it. They'd say yes. Um, Lord, I just also wanna begin Maybe by just praying, if anyone heard the gospel for the first time, they heard that you love them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus was resurrected, and that one day they too will be resurrected and be judged, and they say, I, I wanna place my faith in Jesus. God, that, that they would receive it right now, that right where they sit, they would just say, I believe. I believe, I'm ready to follow you, Jesus. And then, that right now, 
God, you would just stir in their heart and, and just tell them, yeah, follow me in baptism. God, they would just hear from you. And they'd be, they'd be ready to move. God, thanks for giving us opportunity to be together today. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful to be here. We love you, Father. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions about what you just heard, we'd love to talk with you. You can get connected at hnw.org about what we believe or how to join a small group or follow us on social media as well. Thank you so much for joining us and we'd love to see you soon.